Welcome to the Developer Deep Dive series, brought to you by Middle Tech and sponsored by the Awesome Inc. Developer Bootcamp. Throughout this series, we'll be getting an inside look at the technology that powers the most innovative companies in this region, as our host, Justin Hall, interviews the people behind the code, the developers. This is a series to highlight the people that are coding the companies of tomorrow and show the next generation of developers that opportunities await in their own backyard. Thanks for tuning in. What's going on, everybody? You got Evan Knowles and Justin Hall here from the Middle Tech Podcast. We're sitting down with Stephen Van Wingerden, and it's going to be an awesome conversation. So this is actually the first episode of our developer deep dive series as part of the Middle Tech Podcast. Uh, and this is really special. Uh, what we're doing here to give everybody background on what we're trying to accomplish is we're trying to highlight developers in this region as rock stars, as the special people they are. Uh, one thing that, that we started to notice was, you know, developers don't get as much attention as we think they should. They're the ones building these companies that we highlight every week on the podcast. And so we wanted to give a little bit more of an inside look and a more deeper dive into who's actually building these companies. Oftentimes we sit down with the CEOs and oftentimes they're the ones driving the vision, but there's a part of our audience that we know is interested in how to build these companies from a technical perspective. So we wanted to sit down with these people uh, and explain exactly how that's done. So we've got Justin Hall, uh, who we're very happy to be working with on this podcast. Uh, he's at Awesome Inc. running uh, the boot camp and is a very experienced developer and has done amazing things in this region. Uh, so we're happy to have uh, Justin be, be a co-host of this. Uh, so Justin, I'll let you uh, take it from here. Uh, and this is, uh, again, an interview uh, about development with uh, Silver Fern Group, which Stephen is a co-founder of. Yeah, so we're going to push off from the shore, go into some other undiscovered country here and talk about some really cool things and see if we can find our way or maybe even help somebody else find their way. So really exciting stuff. <clears throat> um, yeah, as you mentioned, we're here with Stephen Van Ringerden, and he is a co-founder of Silver Fern, located in Lexington, Kentucky. Stephen brings computer science and operations skills to Silver Fern Group as a director of technology. He built RFID solutions for asset tracking, and real-time replenishment software for over $125 million in annual sales of perishable goods with major retailers. When he's not solving system problems, he's studying uh, the climatology and topography of places he's planning to visit. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Justin. So, uh, to get us started, we can, you know, kind of have a little conversation here. And the way we do that is to see how we're connected. We we kind of claim can in mm -hmm. a way. We so do. How do we? we, do. we how, how did we come to know each other? Um, it's interesting. You know, we uh, Awesome Inc. brought us together. It's probably the first time we had met. Uh, and learning after we had met at Awesome Inc., finding that your daughter plays volleyball for Bluegrass United. Um, yeah. Uh, and interestingly, I played basketball uh, for Bluegrass United. Probably, uh, probably ten years ago now. It seems a lot more recent, but ten years ago now. So yeah, those are two ways that we know each other. So yeah, no, and I, and I appreciate that, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, we just talked about that beforehand too. So yeah, it's pretty cool yeah. how things are connected. Yeah. Um. Well, it, you know, I'd like to know a little bit more uh, background about you, um, and maybe even like where you're from. So. Yeah, it's uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, probably one that I don't even really know the answer to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> part of that is, uh, you know, growing up, we did quite a bit of moving. Um, I think on an earlier podcast here at Middle Tech, uh. Uh, my brother Adam was interviewed and talked and, you know, shared a bit about our life background. And uh, growing up, we moved quite a bit um, before we settled here in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, but I was born in Havre de Grace, Maryland, small town outside of Baltimore. Uh, and then we moved around the world, even to the opposite side in New Zealand. And that's a bit of where the name Silver Fern comes from. It's the national plant there. Um, but here I am, you know, I'm now settled here in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and I could say, I guess I consider myself from here at this point. Yeah. 
Um, so this is home and I, you know, and I love it and I'm glad that I'm here. Yeah. You're making so. a big impact. I, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we were talking about is tech and tech stacks and people in the, in software development. And, um, you know, we're going to try to get an idea of kind of where you align or what you, what you would connect to within tech, because tech is so big. There's all type of different avenues. Um, and so I want to try to get the audience to understand a little bit of where, uh, where you're coming from. So, um, would, what would you best align with in the software development world? Uh, I guess maybe the question would be more as like, as far as what I do, what maybe my expertise might be. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I consider myself probably an inventive developer, uh, you know, partly because I'm self-taught. Um, and, you know, one of the things I really enjoy is solving problems, probably at the core of what I enjoy doing is solving problems. And I can do that with, uh, uh, with software development. So one of the things I do, you know, as inventive developers, you know, solving the problems resourcefully. I, I, you know, I do, I am a full stack developer. I think my strengths would lean more towards the backend development, primarily SQL. Uh, one of the first things I learned uh, um, as I got into coding and, you know, uh, been doing that for now almost 10 years. And that was kind of my exposure into the, into the world of software development. And so that's kind of what you do with Silverfern Group is uh, managing uh, development and working with backend systems? Uh, yeah, so uh, that's a core of what I do, no doubt. I think um, at a very high level, what I do at Silverfern Group um, it, it is more than just that. I think we are all wearing a lot of hats, uh, you know, with our team. We're a small team. We're a startup. Uh, one of the things that I like to do is, you know, is, uh, myself and then our co-founders, uh, we're really uh, taking the, the vision that we have and kind of, you know, making sure that I'm pushing that direction, pushing that forward and following through with that vision. Uh, so, yeah, on a daily basis, that does look a lot like development, um, but it doesn't necessarily always look like software development uh, to a degree. So. Understood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so um, as a inventive developer, mm -hmm. I really like that term. Um, how, did, how did you get your start? How did you become an inventive developer? Man. OK. Um, so. This is, this is a great question, and I'd say I never, never thought that I would get into development. To be honest with you, in high school, um, something that I, you know, I kind of had the aspirations of getting into uh, accounting and finance, and you know, I had plans heading off to college that that's what I was going to be. I was going to be an accounting major and go in that direction. Um, but he, my, let's see, the spring of my senior year, I was in dual enrollment uh, at Asbury University, and uh, I had an opportunity to work at my father's company, my dad's company. And like I mentioned earlier, I love to solve problems. Uh, it's one of the things that I you know, particularly enjoy, and I always gravitate towards solving problems to help make other people's lives easier. And while I was working there, um, I came across many, many challenges that you know, people were facing, uh, that they were doing things in a pretty cumbersome way. And I wanted to make their lives easier. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, how, how do I do this? You know, what, what, are, what are some ways that I can automate what they're doing or make their tasks or their daily jobs easier? And that led into SQL development, you know, backend jobs that I could run, you know, automatically schedule them um, and just kind of like uh, uh, really ease their burden. Uh, so that was my original start. And then from there, I saw that, hey, look, you know, I, I enjoy this. I see a bit of a, a skill I have here. Um, and then so I started connecting with coworkers that were in the IT department, um, learning from them uh, and, you know, uh, really appreciate them helping fuel my start uh, in that world. Um, from there, it kind of led into uh, a number of different things. I ended up going off to college, uh, obviously changing to an information system computer science major. Uh, from there, uh, I realized that, hey, I needed to go back into my family business with my dad. So I continued learning from a self-taught perspective, either going through uh, massive online or massive open online courses, um, reading books, pretty much any book I could get my hand on. Uh, I'm sure you know how that is, uh, being self-taught yourself, um, to watching YouTube videos and really honestly, sure force. Uh, that was one of the other ones, just saying, hey, look, just good old trial and error, uh, which is probably the least recommended one, um, but uh, definitely one of the ways that I, I started and to continue to learn. So it, That's interesting that... You saw an opportunity. Uh, you were self-taught problem solver, and then, and then you went into a CS degree, and now you've kind of leveraged both of those experiences, really. Yep. 
um, and you kind of understand e- either one or both yep. require you getting your hands on the clay. You know, mm-hmm. you got to make the you got to make the uh, the changes and actually mm-hmm. apply it. Uh, that's great. Um, that's wonderful. I, I really enjoy that uh, the path that you described there because everybody kind of has their own path. We realize that a lot of tech um, uh, workers come from different places and their path isn't linear like you would expect. So it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what was one of your biggest challenges going from self-taught into a CS degree? Was it, you know, like, was there a grind there that you had to go through? What was it like? Oh man. Um, so I didn't graduate with a CS degree just to clarify on that. But uh, early, I would say that going in right off the bat, you know, being self-taught, going into school, I actually found it quite easy, to be honest with you, just from the perspective is that most of them were just one-on-one courses, you know, stuff that I'd already, you know, I'd already gone through and, and, and had done. Um, and so, you were homeschooled. And I was homeschooled, So yeah. that doesn't surprise me one bit, you yeah. know, from homeschool into self-taught. Yeah, yeah that's and, really good. and I really appreciate the homeschool. And, you know, just to kind of pivot off that, what you just mentioned, one of the things that I really valued about being homeschooled was uh, the self-discipline that it taught. Um, you know, I find, uh, one of the greatest things that I was, uh, I learned, you know, having grown up, I'd, I'd gone to school for a bit, but being homeschooled most of my life, um, was the discipline and just the self-discipline of being able to, you know, Hey, making sure that I was, you know, teaching myself to a, to a degree, particularly when it came into, you know, into high school. Um, there was a lot of resources too, that you could, you could utilize. You had thing like, you know, Khan Academy was coming out back then. I'm sure you guys heard of Khan Academy. So, yeah, I mean, those type of resources, I, I, you know, I was like, hey, I, I don't, I don't know how to do algebra two. Well, Khan Academy, you know, go to it and, and figure it out. So, being uh being self taught, I had already had a uh, an array of resources I knew to go to uh, when I wanted to learn something new. Very cool. So. Yeah, um, one of the things about homeschooling that just uh, amazes me is how you you really own your education, and 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 if you're a self taught developer, or even if you've gone through a boot camp, you really have to own. Uh, that experience and that path. <clears throat> That's great. Um, so we know you are director of technology at Silverfern Group, uh, but what is what is that like day to day? You know, we're a startup, so I think I'm, I'm mixed in a number of different things. I think it would be kind of hard maybe on a day-to-day basis to, to answer that on a day-to-day basis, but maybe on a weekly basis, kind of if we just step up one more level, um, I could probably... Uh, probably dive into that a little bit more. Um, yeah, approximately 50% of my time is spent on just development or products, developing our products, you know, continuing, you know, developing just, uh, you know, uh, either by myself or with our team. Another 25% on DevOps. I'm sure we'll talk a bit about that, you know, a bit later. 15% on sales calls still. Um, probably my least favorite thing to do, uh, but I, it's good. You know, I kind of getting that exposure. Uh, I, I'm, I know our products very well, having been, you know, during the development process. And then another 10%, you know, on other miscellaneous things, other managing the team, um, uh, reviewing financials, uh, anything to that to that level. Uh, and then just, you know, kind of helping build the culture. I think it's uh, uh, really important. You know, Adam has emphasized this. and um, Adam's your brother. Uh, Adam's my brother, yeah. And Kevin as well, both co-founders with me. And just making sure that we're continuing to uphold the culture that we describe and that we want. Um, so that, that, that pretty much on a, on a weekly basis sums it up. Yeah, that's great. So you're a product uh, development company. Yep. What, what is the product or one of the products you work with? Yeah, so um, we have a suite of products. Um, so uh, pretty much what we do is we develop tools uh, to help alleviate uh, a lot of challenges that the horticulture particularly, uh, you know, greenhouse growers that are providing big box retailers or uh, major retailers like Lowe's and Home Depot, solving their day-to-day problems. Um, So our suite of products uh, range from pretty much anything from what we call lightweight MRP or, you know, manufacturing resource planning, um, all the way into the fulfillment and sales of that. Um, So when you say you have a whole suite of tools, it's, it, you, you may have multiple tech stacks. We do. And yes, that, yeah, we, we do. want to enter the word tech stats yeah. into our Yeah, discussion. so um, basically what we have as far as a suite of product goes is really comparable to like a Microsoft Office suite. 
And, and with that, we have uh, desktop applications, we have um, we have web applications, we have mobile applications, and we even have some IoT devices. So yeah, our tech stack is a bit diverse, but there is some crossover among them. Um, what it looks like a bit for desktop is, uh, you know, we've got authentication and we use Firebase for that. Um, in in our customers' world, everyone pretty much uses Microsoft SQL Server, mm-hmm. so that's pretty much our backend. And we don't really foresee moving away from that just because a lot of them want an on-prem solution. Uh, and given the fact that they already have that, we uh, we continue in developing with Microsoft SQL Server. Um, and then from there, for the desktop side, we've got WPF, WinForms, basically C-sharp.net, uh, deployed via ClickOnce uh, and managed via Octopus deployment. And then on the web side, we've got um, you know GraphQL, which is our API layer, React, uh, for front end, which is what you guys, I think, primarily use the yeah, boot camp, which, which we really appreciate because it gives us a lot of opportunities, you know, you know, well, you've given me at, some ideas on what we probably okay. need to add. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no, we, and we love that because we do have someone on our team that came from the boot camp, uh, Hayden, and it's phenomenal knowing that he kind of just hit the ground running in a lot of areas because of that. That's great. Um, and then as far as like source control, um, Deployment, things like that. You know, I mentioned Octopus. Well, you know, Bitbucket. Uh, we also use Bitbucket pipelines and stuff like that. Um, mobile apps follow a pretty similar approach as far as what the tech stack looks like. And then uh, IoT uh, is a whole other. Yeah. It, it would probably <laughs> probably in a, another conversation for another time, just with embedded programming and firmware updates and such. So that's 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 really great. It yeah. Sounds like it's very diverse, like you said. Yep. Um, and the fact that you have knowledge or have touched all those is just is really good. I mean, it's a it's impressive. Um, but okay, let me ask you, uh, Silver Fern Group. Um, how do you how do you um, position yourself in the market? What's your what's your business model like? So um, we consider ourselves software as a service, very niche though, because it's a very low volume, high value. Um, a lot of what we do uh, in in and part part of the why we do want to do software as a service is because a lot of our customers have been burned in the past by uh, some of our competitors, and we want to make sure that we can offer a much uh, less upfront cost into switching. So you know, hey, to remove that, we want to you know, hey, it will be an ongoing cost, but a lot less of a switching cost. So really, a business model is we're we're a niche software as a service, um, low volume, so we don't have a ton of customers but a high value, particularly when they use a number of our products. Um, and, it, and it's interesting how, how like it's priced. Um, it's not necessarily just a, uh, um, a monthly cost or a monthly charge to use one of our products. It's based off of how they perform and what their sales are. So it directly incentivizes us to help them perform as a company as well. Yeah. So, so you're serving your clients by being able to provide a service exactly. through a suite of products. Yep. Okay, great. That's yeah. If I can give a bit of an example, um, one of our products is a replenishment product. And since most of our customers are dealing with perishable goods, um, you know, they're delivering directly to the store. It's uh, DSD, direct store delivery. Um, so our replenishment product helps manage and uh, replenish that product. So it takes in point of sale data from their, uh, from their customer, from the retailer, either Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, uh, which we directly interface with. And then we evaluate that sales, those on-hands, uh, and then replenish that product. So how we're incentivized to help them grow is to increase their comp, to reduce their markdowns, you know, reduce their shrink, uh, increase their sales, things like that. Very good. Um, okay, I, I want to kind of transition a little bit into this uh, a little bit more loose discussion, I guess, about tech topics. There's so many out there. I, I would love to pick your brain and kind of understand um you know, almost in a little bit of a game, I'm going to say something and I want you to tell me what it means to you uh, and mm-hmm. how you would define it based on your involvement and understanding. Because what I've realized is that there's a lot of tech people that come from different walks of life and and uh, solve different problems. And there are some similarities and differences, in even how we define things. Yep. And Definitely. so, yeah, and so I want to get everybody's, uh, I want everybody that comes on in this series, we're going to ask them these kind of questions okay. and just see how it goes. So, so no pressure. No pressure. Uh, no pressure. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, bring up a tech topic or a term. You just kind of define it in your own words. Okay. So one that you mentioned already, uh, DevOps. Okay. Um, you know, I think of DevOps, uh, 
I guess a couple of different ways when I first hear it, you know, one, the combination of um, the development team and the operation or the IT operation team uh, coming together, either as a person or as you, or even as a team of people. Um, but I also see it as kind of like a set of practices combining both of them together. Um, and often when I hear the word or when I think of it, I'm thinking of CICD, continuous integration, continuous deployment, right? Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the highest quality product to our customers as quickly and effectively as possible. And I see that as a responsibility of the DevOps team. Um, I think what's important is that everyone on your team, when they think or hear of DevOps, it's kind of a culture or a mindset. Mm-hmm. Understanding, hey well, hey, well, what is this? What are we trying to accomplish in this practice here? Yeah. Uh, making sure that they are understanding um, – uh, of what it is so that way we're all on the same page so that way when we're doing um, continuous you know integration continuous deployment uh, as far as devops go uh, you know we understand and we're, yeah we're moving forward in that direction well it's like you mentioned earlier with you're on the sales team too uh-huh. you know i think everybody that's ever worked at a company kind of knows I'm, i do a little selling too mm-hmm. you know, exactly yeah and and if i can add one thing to it as well um one, one other piece to it is just the understanding, and there's always sometimes a gap here, is where you might have your operational team, not from just IT operations, but just as like from like the people who understand the product to the people who are developing the product. So it's just making sure, too, that, that the, there's nothing that gets lost in translation during that development process, too. Taking what our customers need and what they want and making sure we're getting it developed properly. So new features um, and, and things to that degree as well. Excellent. Uh, ready for the next one? I am. Okay. Agile development. Um, agile development. Uh, I would see this as a methodology uh, or the practicing of a particular methodology. Um, so kind of like I was talking a bit about with, you know, in CICD, we're trying to, to quickly get products, you know, quickly get updates out, you know, effectively the short, short life cycles. So when I think of agile development, um, you know, keeping those updates frequent, uh, you know, that we're not going down and doing these sprints, which often turn into marathons for new updates, you know how that is. Um, but what we're doing is uh, we're taking uh, shorter lifecycle updates uh, and we're continually integrating and deploying them. They're going through uh, unit testing, QA, uh, and then out into production. How much do you uh, utilize that methodology? Um, <clears throat> we, we, we try to utilize it 100%. Um, it's very, very important to us because, uh, you know, we want to identify bugs as quickly as possible. Um, and when you go through these, what, what I call, you know, sprints or marathons, or maybe even more of a waterfall approach development, uh, you have the potential for more bugs to enter during the development phase and they don't get identified as quickly. Um, so you identify them quickly and you get a feedback loop that exactly. helps you deliver yep. and serve your, your customers to make your suite better. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, I got another one. Um, Continuing education. Continuing education. Well, I feel like that one's a little bit self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, some of the things that I've done as far as continuing education, kind of what I think about this. Um, you know, uh, just in life in general, I always want to learn. I think it's, you know, kind of making sure that everyone on our team has that desire to learn. Uh, in, in that perspective, it might be attending uh, events or conventions uh, as far as like the continuing education might go, like I, I went to SQL Saturday uh, when it was in Cincinnati and encouraging, you know, I think now even during with COVID, you can, most of these are online resources. Um, we use GraphQL, like I described earlier, as one of our, um, uh, as part of our tech stack. Uh, you have the GraphQL Summit coming up, you know, hey, let's attend the GraphQL Summit as far as continuing education, um, maybe even getting a part of uh, um you know, doing things like hackathons or dev days and things like that uh, as a part of all just continuing education. Yeah. Before COVID, and I think before you guys um, became a part of the Awesome Inc. family, uh, there was a, a sort of a tech X um, uh, local engagement that we had with the okay. different tech communities. And, and the discussion started to creep into, okay, yeah, we need more of this. We need other things to, to kind of build this up. And I think uh, when we get hopefully back into some kind of normalcy that we could hopefully love pick that. that back up. I would love that. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you don't, you don't want to ever want to get stuck into your, you know, your one, one mind track type of thing. And then it's often, it's interesting. Um, uh, 
you know, that's part of like I was telling Evan just before we got in here, I like to do daily walk. And one of the things is uh, at any one point, it's um, obviously it's got health benefits, but it also helps, you know, kind of help my mind and just like process certain, certain things where, hey, people get reader reader's block. Oh, I get, you know, I get develop, developer's block. Yeah. And like, hey, let me just go on a 15, 20 minute walk, open up my mind, you know, help think, uh, break through solutions. But at the same time, if you get a community of people like that, where you come across challenges or you get stuck at one point to be able to go to tech X, continue bring those challenges that you're, you know, you're having and bring them to other people and kind of have a community like that. I would love that. Excellent. So, uh, I've got a couple more. Okay. Uh, and these two terms I've got, I've got them listed, uh, separately in my little notes here, but, uh, really it's kind of the same. So local talent, local workforce. What do you think about that? Um, Interesting. I think, you know, from the local workforce perspective, um, you know, so far at Silver Fern Group, we've hired entirely locally. Um, and I really appreciate what Awesome Inc. has done as developing that local community and creating local talent. Um, and I definitely want to, you know, bring them to light because that's been awesome. And, you know, what you've done for the boot camp has been incredible. And like I said and mentioned earlier, uh, we've got Hayden from the boot camp. Um, and I do appreciate the, uh, having that local talent, that local workforce here, uh, because I think, uh, although we can, uh, work all remotely and we can be all across the globe technically working, um, it is really nice to have that, that face-to-face time, uh, and engage on a level different than just, uh, over zoom or over Microsoft teams or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that is not necessarily just from a work perspective, but even from a personal perspective. You know, we want to get to know our employees, our, our local talent, and we want to get to, you know, engage with them on a level beyond just work. And, and I know you had some questions, I think, a, a little bit later on possibly about that. And I won't say too much yeah. to that regard because <laughs> I'll, I'll save some thoughts uh, here, here in a moment. That, that's so. good. So uh, uh, let's, take a, let's take a detour then. We'll get back to some okay. of those. Um, so you mentioned you work for a, a product-driven company. How did the company arrive at some of the current tech stacks? You, you did mention, you know, most of your customers. So you're trying to meet your customers yep. where they are with a Microsoft blend. But what were some of the other ones and how they, how um, did they transpire? Well, uh, okay, a couple of things. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a little bit of a story, maybe a little bit of a background on how we came to this. Um, so myself and one of our employees, uh, Scott, um, he and I worked together at our previous company. And, uh, you know, what we did was, uh, you know, we had a lot of challenges with the tech stack we were using there. So I guess, you know, we knew what we didn't want to some degree just because of that. Um, and we were still very Microsoft, you know, centric, partly because we're in the business world. And, you know, it seems that a lot of people in the business world are so Microsoft driven. Um, and uh, one of the challenges that we came across was we had, you know, uh, what we call Dev SQL Server. And, you know, we use that purely for development purposes, right? Um, and what we found out is just uh, with the lack of uh, a proper agile development process, uh, our dev SQL quickly became a production SQL server. <laughs> <laughs> and we just basically weren't, it was just like, hey, we bypassed this whole deployment process and it just became, um, you know, uh, our production database. Yeah. And obviously that that opened up for a ton of potential errors. Uh, so what we really liked with, you know, GraphQL, um, uh, was one of the things that we had chosen, uh, some of the versioning at the offer. We really liked the fact, um, you know, uh, we could really define within our, from the front end side, how we have a different, either, uh, C sharp desktop application or even a, um, uh, um, react web app or even a mobile app. We could prevent over fetching, under fetching. We could define our queries exactly what we had wanted, um, and it, it really helped solve a lot of problems instead of creating a RESTful API like we had done in the past. Um, yeah, and then as far as uh, why we chose to continue with WPF WinForms on the c sharp.net side was uh, was a hard decision, I think, largely because, uh, you know, we see everything headed towards the web. But a lot of our customers, you know, they're really familiar uh, with Microsoft Office. And they primarily use Microsoft Excel to solve a lot of the problems that we're solving for them. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that there was a, we wanted to mitigate the learning process for them, take away that learning curve and reduce it. Um, so that kind of led us to say, hey, look, what we'll do is we'll have 
basically, you know how you have Microsoft Excel desktop and Microsoft Excel online? Yeah, that's pretty much the way we're headed is we have both a desktop and a web version of the same product. And um, what it's doing is we, we foresee over the years uh, as we as we transition to move everything to the web, um, what we're going to do is we're going to be able to train them to come with us. Yeah. And, and you know, so hey, what we're doing is we're replacing their current Microsoft Excel solution with a product that looks and feels very similar, accomplishes the job tremendously better. Um, and then what we'll do, you know, is, hey, offer them that that web that web version. So that's kind of kind of how the whole tech stack came together. Yeah. Um, and what so. challenges do you kind of expect to have coming up? Um, I mean, you've got a wide array. There's some things there that you're saying, okay, we want to move. We know where, you know, some of the industry is moving. How do you, how do you get from where you are now and pass those challenges and hurdles? Um, great question. Um, you know, I'm not a particular fan of some of the, of some of the WinForm desktop, you know, or WPF uh stuff you know microsoft's moving with to uwp with a lot of the stuff uh there's a potential they might deprecate certain things um that's a kind of a concern that i have um i don't think it's going to happen within the next you know five years uh but it, it could happen you know sooner rather than later um some of the things i see you know is that uh from a user experience perspective uh how do we how do we accomplish um what we have done on the desktop side and bring it over to the web uh, without losing any type of like uh, capabilities or features, um, so that would be a bit of a concern, you know, as we're using, uh, um, you know, on-prem solutions with a desktop app. Uh, we've got a great uh, speed, and we can utilize a lot more of the uh, local machines' resources than you do with the web. But maybe with WebAssembly and a lot of newer technologies coming out, I think that that might change. So, so when when you look at that, it's a lot of onboarding of new things it's iterative it's changing mm -hmm. how do you uh keep up with the changes from like a point of view of um like what we just talked about the local uh developer the uh the talent that you're seeking to be able to you know to kind of harness those tech stacks are you are you going to have a lot of growth coming up or is it pretty much just you and maybe your your team right now no, we, yeah, we do, and we, we hope to have a lot of growth coming up, particularly as uh, we continue to expand the products more to the web and um, uh, into the mobile world. Um, so we have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, pretty much with our existing customer base, I feel like uh, um, our current team is pretty much at capacity. And if we want to grow with more customers, we're going to need to bring on more people to so, help it. So having said that, um, what could the local tech ecosystem uh, be doing better to support um, maybe uh, your developers or what you think is a developer? So when you say that, um, you mean how can like the local, the local team of people here? Yeah, like help Awesome us? Inc. Uh, and you've got Base 110. You've got several different yeah. places. Uh, and then you've got the local tech community. You've got uh, Bluegrass Developers yep. Guild where there's a network. There's several of those packets. Um what could we be doing or what could the local tech um, ecosystem look like uh, for you to better support your tech stack and your ongoing um, efforts? I know we talked about this once before. GraphQL is one of the things that I was like, hey, we should introduce that into the boot camp. I'd love that. Um, yes. You know, and then I see, too, uh, um, as far as backend development, you know, Microsoft SQL Server, I don't foresee that going away. Azure is becoming, you know, a huge part of the cloud world. Uh, and then also a bit of talking about microservices, um, you know, and I don't know if I'm getting a little bit too far into some of the potential of what the, the boot camp or what places like that could be teaching uh, oh, wow. the local environment. But like, hey, uh, let's get into microservices, helping them understand what those are, um, uh, you know, maybe possibly going through something like, GraphQL uh, as a replacement of RESTful API. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, we see that there's that a degree. we see that there's like a little bit of a battle right now going on for developers. So when you mm -hmm. start looking at Microsoft and their yeah. and their vertical right with Azure, uh, you get Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, whatever, mm -hmm. and you're buying into that and it's good. And then you know you kind of move up the stack mm -hmm. and you get into the Azure world and now you're a Microsoft developer. Uh, same mm -hmm. thing with Google, Google Cloud. Same thing with oh, yeah. Amazon, AWS. Uh, so we're trying to stay in that uh, a little bit of an agnostic kind of way mm -hmm. so that, 
you know, we're preparing uh, them to go into um, the workforce as sort of ready to pivot. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, I like that. so your tech stack it seems like it's grown and very diverse, mm -hmm. but there's some core fundamentals there that looks like the local tech ecosystem, uh, especially the the people that generate like the awesome mean the boot camp mm -hmm. uh, developers could look towards and 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 possibly adopt. Um, so, having discussed a little bit of this ecosystem, what are they doing well right now? Um, in regards to you as a developer and Silver Fern Group? <clears throat> One of the things, you know, um, like I'd mentioned, you know, we, we do use React. Um, and I really think coming out, a lot of these guys, they're excellent front-end developers. They're really, that's kind of maybe, and that's what I'm seeing at least is a lot of their core, you know, is like, hey, they're understanding they get that and they can really do that well. Um, so I appreciate that because it's really alleviating a lot of burden on my side. Um, it's helpful too that they, uh, you know, coming out, there's really no learning curve from that perspective is they, they can hit the ground running. And I talked a bit about that with Hayden. Um, so I do really appreciate, I think they're doing that well. The other thing that I think is quite interesting, um, outside of just a development is that each one of these guys I'm seeing come out are very professional people. Um, I think that they're being taught beyond just a development skill, but just to be professional individuals. Uh, how to act and work within a, you know, within that type of environment. And I really, really appreciate that um, because often that's a, that could be a more challenging thing to be taught, you know? So, you know, I've seen, and I, I was, I've been able to just working out of here, uh, here, I, you know, just out of the awesome Inc um, uh, as part of the fellowship program, seeing that each one of these individuals coming out they're they're very professional. Excellent. And I think that I uh, seen their either through LinkedIn profiles, uh, either talking with them, uh, and just how they engage with me. So, so uh, I've got a. I want to paint a picture here uh, because you mentioned React and front end development, and what we're kind of talking about uh, in some other circles and discussions uh, that I've been having is how do you identify or what would you say um, would be a measurement for a front end developer? And and so we kind of have one. I want to see what you think about it. Would uh, a measurement for a front end developer be something like okay, I give you the mock up or the uh, wireframe wireframe and and you nail it you do you do it to spec you've got user experience uh and and ui uh, considerations defensive programming all those mm -hmm. things uh to really make that front end hum is that would you agree with that or i definitely would agree with that one of the things that we really try to um instill also at solar fern is give a bit of what we call creative liberty um so i really want to make sure as well as a front end developer that they're not just following cuz 1080 degree, you know, your wireframe may not be perfect. There may be things that are missed. So I want to make sure that along the way that they have a bit of creative liberty. And that's something that we encourage at Solar Fern is like, hey, we'll put these together. Um, and, you know, we have ideas and thoughts, but making sure that along the way they may see areas for improvements or areas that we may have missed during the process um, and giving them that creative liberty. So that's something I do personally. And I know that as we're continuing with the front end developer is like, hey, you work on these wireframes, you work on these mockups, and you show them, hey, this is what we want. Um, and what I see as a metric of someone who's a you know a really great front end developer is when they come out and they even exceed those expectations by taking those creative liberties hmm. and, and putting you know, some of those things in place. I, I think that's a great measurement um, to to be able to follow and then also to be able to inform. Mm -hmm. uh, and and say, hey, this may not work this way. Yeah, it could work this way better. Yeah, I think that's great. And plus, you're listening. So that says a lot about your company um, and uh, and you as management. So a couple other questions, and then and then I want to go into a little bit uh, more about the Lexington tech scene in general. But um, what would you consider uh, traits of a, a like a high-quality senior developer and junior developer? Do you have... Do you have some ideas in mind and how you how you do that at Silver Fern or? Yeah, we, we do. I have some personal ones probably. And, you know, um, some of those things we're still trying to, you know, as a startup, we're still trying to identify yeah. at Silver Fern. Yeah. We're making sure that we identify them. And we're connecting with each one of our employees and we're talking about those metrics and certain things that they can reach to identify, hey, what, what, what makes you a uh, developer or senior developer? One thing that we, we don't do is we don't we don't really necessarily call anyone a junior developer. Um, that's one of the things that we try to omit from the title. I, I, not that necessarily, I don't want, I don't want to say, use the word degrading by any means, but I think everyone's a developer. Um, and then at certain points based on these certain metrics that you described and ones that we have as well internally, um, 
uh, you become and you move up to the next level of maybe a senior developer. But, you know, at, at any one point when you come up, you know, come to our team, you start off right away as a, just a developer. Mm-hmm. And that that's important to us. Um, uh, you know, I think, you know, self-esteem plays a role into, into, you know, hey, they have to be confident in what they're doing. Um, and that plays a big role in how they're going to perform. And, you know, everyone's, everyone's different. And, you know, a lot of times what I find, what we've seen um, in some of these younger developers is they may feel a little bit, you know, they might not feel confident in what they're doing. They may have the right answer, but they may feel a little bit insecure in telling you or who they might feel as, you know, a senior dev, what that they think the answer is. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure, you know, we identify and say, look, never be afraid to make mistakes, you know, as a, as a young developer. So we, we omit the junior from developer altogether. You're just a developer. Um, and then, you know, obviously, uh, as they start to break through on certain things, becoming more confident, we start identifying these metrics and these yeah. traits that make them a senior developer. And these are some certain things that we're still working through uh, here at Silverfern. But yeah, we, ha- we have those. And um, anyway. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great um, um, description. And I think it says a lot about your company of not having really uh, a specific title because what is it? Is it lines of code? Is it hours of QA? Is it, you know, uh, ownership? It sounds to me like there's a little bit of all of that mm-hmm. that you kind of consider. So uh, I think it's really important uh, as a tech company, you know, to kind of develop your own metrics. Sounds like you're doing that. You're putting mm-hmm. it together and uh, and understanding, you know, how to how to have um, uh, good quality developers and how to grow them. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, we definitely have, you know... Um, uh, and, and like you mentioned, you know, whether it be lines of code or not, that's not necessarily uh, what we want to define uh, as a uh, maybe a senior developer. Um, but but no doubt, uh, as people grow, as they get the experience, one of the challenges that we find definitely is the domain knowledge within uh, our particular area. You might be the, the most uh, senior developer come on board, but have zero domain knowledge of what we're trying to produce. Uh, and that's that's a big challenge as well. Um making sure the developers understand what we're doing because we're providing a product for a particular industry. Uh, it's not necessarily project-based all the time. Um, and we find that uh, getting them to understand that domain knowledge becomes quite a bit of, quite a, bit of a challenge yeah, too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, well, we only got a few more minutes left. And so what I want to do is just kind of follow up on a, a few questions and finish mm-hmm. strong. Um, so which Lexington community of developers are you involved with? Um, how are the communities supportive? So, unfortunately, we're not involved with some of these ones you have listed here. Uh, awesome Inc. is one. And, you know, I really appreciate the Awesome Inc. Uh, fellowship program that we were able to become part of back in August. And one of the things that I really uh, appreciate about them uh, is not, ne- you know, not necessarily from a tech perspective, but from a culture perspective, what they've been able to provide. Uh, you know, Brian Rainey has had a number of conversations, um, as well as Keith McNunn. Uh, with my brother Adam and ourselves, and they've really helped us, you know, as far as uh, building that culture that we want to have at Silverfern. Um, and that's been a huge thing because, um, you know, that's really important to us to make sure that, you know, we put that culture, uh, you know, first in a lot of areas. So I appreciate that. Um, as far as, you know, uh, Lexington community, um, that's probably one of the only ones we engage yeah. with. We do a lot of outside Lexington, but um, maybe not so much internal intellects. Yeah. So. Well, there's definitely uh, uh, room for you to grow in some mm-hmm. ways and connect the Bluegrass Developer Guild, uh, which I'm a part of, I highly recommend, uh, and several others. Um, but so with that said, uh, and we got a couple other questions like, um, what do you think Lexington can do to improve? You mentioned before about the, you know, having more uh, tech conferences or having more kind of dev days, uh, dev or, days yeah. and hackathons. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, yeah, I know definitely, especially once COVID, you know, starts to hope, hopefully alleviate, we can start doing that again. And and even if it's just, you know, um, through something like Zoom or Microsoft Teams, I'd really, I think that would be a phenomenal thing to add. Um, you know, one of the things uh, encouraging maybe some younger people getting involved, uh, getting maybe some more like high school people uh, involved in coding and developing, yeah. just getting them engaged earlier. I see a lot of the people here at the boot camp, you know, are, are surprisingly post college. Um, how do you how do you bring them in to realize that hey, this is something they want to do before that? Um, that would be something I would love to see in the community. 
Um, I do think Austin Mink is doing an incredible job with the boot camp. I love that. Um, let's see. Uh, little disconnected, maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's just because we're a smaller community. Uh, like I said, I would love to be like you mentioned a few Bluegrass Guild. Uh, how can we? How can we connect? And um, is there is there a way to connect a little bit more easily? Yeah, uh, we, be... we seem to have little pockets. Yeah, and hopefully not clans, uh, but mm-hmm. little pockets that could connect a little bit better. I think um, overall, and then also, um, you know, I think like you mentioned, there's some things missing that people need to own, um, and I think it would be great to see bold and creative investments, and you know, like to help other startups, uh, especially ones that are going through the fellowship. Yeah. Um, and then other tech startups we've seen, I think in the fellowship, more tech startups grow and that could, when, and when I say that, and you're a tech startup, uh, it's not to, not to, uh, kind of emphasize the competitiveness, but it's more like a, um, a, a co-opetition, I guess you could say yeah. where, you know, because, uh, as other tech startups grow and, and even some that, you know, start up and fail, you're going to have talent that are going to, that's going to need to pivot and move to other places. Um, and that just makes our tech community better in some way. So yep. one, one other thing I was thinking was, you know, while you're saying that was potentially um, apprenticeship type programs, mentor programs. Um, and ma- maybe there are some that exist um, that I don't know about, but I, but I'd love to see, you know, a bit of that. Hey, look, can, can younger developers coming out of the boot camp or coming out of college, can they find, can they find good mentors or your people that they can, you know, work under and, and learn under? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you find that a lot in um, when they get into a company that usually work under a senior developer or something like that. And they learn quite a bit that way. Surprisingly, but, uh, Lexington has, uh, a, I wouldn't say an, an aged uh, <laughs> development <laughs> community, but we definitely have an experienced one uh, with, you know, Lexmark. You've got IBM. There are all kinds that were stationed in and around here. Um um, that I've been able to work with. And I can definitely see how um, these experienced developers could come out, maybe even be a part or even host their own uh, apprenticeship within, yep. their indiv- within their company. And it would be a huge, a huge boom, uh, really. Oh, I definitely think so. You know, um, I, I know I would probably do that myself and I would encourage people on our team to do that. Definitely. That's great. So we've talked about a couple of things, uh, bold and creative investments, apprenticeships, anything else like, um, um, you know, the difference between uh, maybe informed tech buyers and uninformed tech buyers, uh, entrepreneurs, stakeholders, those kind of people that are uh, infusing different things and qualities within the tech community for tech startups like yourself uh, to take advantage of. Do you see anything in, in along those lines that you'd like to close us out with um you know uh i i can't really speak from the silver firm perspective as far as uh you know trying to find uh, a buyer for anything to that degree or even raise outside capital um and that'd probably be a question more for kevin on the finance side and and stuff like that he you know he's one of the co-founders and that's probably more up his alley um so i i, I probably wouldn't be able to comment to any to that regard um but I, but I do see uh, and I hear, and I think that that's doing decently well here in, in the Lexington community. Yeah, so. great. Well, um, you know, I want to wrap this up. I love this analogy of a hero kind of starting off on their path uh, with a destination unknown and having the insight to kind of to stop an experienced hero on their way back from their destination and asking the question, uh, what question should I ask you before I begin on my journey? So let's pretend our listeners uh, are starting off on their path and you are the hero returning. Um, any wisdom you want to impart, what questions should they be asking? Okay. Um, interesting. Uh, I guess without knowing the journey, and if I just make some assumptions on what the journey was, um, what I would probably say, you know, uh, in thinking of this perspective as, you know, coming out of maybe a tech career, even as uh, we finish out our tech startup and we become more of a firm company, one of the questions that I would uh, tell them that they should ask would be, um, how, how do I balance my personal life and my work life? And why is that important along the journey? Um, you know, I, I see that this is important, uh, particularly for myself. Uh, you know, when I'm most productive as wor- at work is when I'm engaging on things that I enjoy personally in my personal life. 
So, you know, uh, one of the things that I, you know, I might like to do, what makes that, what, you know, makes me tick is, Hey, I want to make sure I'm engaging in some type of physical activity, whether it's sports, um, whether it's, uh, being out in nature on hikes for some people, it's reading, uh, for other people, it's attending a social event. Um, and I know when people are really engaging that on the personal level, it carries into a productive work life. Um, if they're really not, uh, if they're not having a good personal, uh, personal life balance, um, they're probably not going to be performing at work. So along their new journey, make sure you find time to engage in the things that are important to you on a personal level. You know, I also, um, you know, my, like my faith, like I described to you earlier, you know, it's important to me. So, Hey, when I find, uh, and someone just had spoken to me about this, uh, that works for us is like, Hey, and, and this is very valuable for us at Silver Fern. You know, we want to make sure that we allow all of our team members that time to engage in what's important for them personally. And one of our team members was telling us, like, hey, look, my mornings are important to me because when I wake up, I want to have, you know, my time, my devotional. Because if I don't have my devotional in the morning, it sets my entire day off. So if we don't allow them to have that devotional in the morning, you know, they're not going to come into work. Uh, able to engage and be able to be the most productive person that they can be. So, you know, we want to make sure, uh, and I think it's important that uh, as they go on their journey, that they know what's important to them beyond just what, beyond just work. So, Stephen, thank you for your time and insight. Uh, we appreciate your contributions to the tech community and the impact Silverfern Group is making as part of the Awesome Fellowship. Middle Tech listeners, thank you for your time, and please leave us with your feedback. We're going to continue this discussion and have guests on, like Stephen, in the next few episodes. We hope you take part in the discussion with us and continue to listen as we learn more and deep dive deeper into similar topics that we discussed today. I'm Justin Hall, lead instructor of Awesome Inc.'s Web Developer Bootcamp and Middle Tech supporter. See you in a bit. 